let's get medicated. Man, let's get medicated. Let's get medicated. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode two of the Eye on IR podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Liam Smith. And the fact that you're listening right now, hopefully, means I did something right in the first episode. So thank you all for tuning back in today. And as I mentioned last time, head injuries, CTE, concussions, everything like that associated with football players and athletes in general really is an ongoing issue. So as new information, new cases, new research becomes available, I'll try my best to keep you all updated with everything going on in terms of that. This episode, though, is going to be a little bit more specific. And with the combine pass and NFL draft scheduled to be right around the corner, as of right now, it'll be April 23rd. Uh, More than likely, it probably will be virtual. But I thought it would be only right to pick a big name in college football, a huge NFL prospect, and someone who saw their season and hopes of a national title fade away after a pretty ugly injury to the hip. So as I'm sure you can probably guess, today we're going to be talking about Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. Comes out throwing. On the run. Pressure from behind. And that's where Nick Saban is thinking with Mac Jones. He's down. And Tua's down. His helmet came off. This is exactly what you did not want to see happen. Week 12, Alabama's at Mississippi State to take on the Bulldogs. They're coming off of that loss to LSU, of course, the eventual national champion. And in retrospect, it's actually one of it's actually one of LSU's tightest games of the season. They're one of the only two teams to lose to LSU by single digits, which is a ridiculous stat. But anyway, second half, Alabama's up big against Mississippi State. You see Saban starting to think about taking two out. You see them having a conversation, and eventually Saban cracks a smile. You see Tua put his helmet on and jog out on the field. And of course, it's on this drive. He ends up getting hurt. You know, you can't blame Saban for it. You can't blame Tua for wanting to play. And, I mean, it's really just unfortunate. The hit itself was not anything malicious at all. It's something you see pretty frequently, especially in mobile quarterbacks. He was outside of the pocket, releases the ball, and you see him fall onto his knee and the defender fall on top of him. And eventually, Tua was diagnosed with a dislocated hip, a fractured posterior wall of the hip. So that's within the hip joint. And then he's also diagnosed with a broken nose. Well, obviously, a broken nose is not going to be a cause of concern for him three years from now. I mean, the hip joint is extremely significant in, I mean, in your average person, much less an NFL player. You know, when you think about every time you walk around, so next time you're up on your feet, just try and pay attention to how much work your hips do, how much weight they bear every time you take a step. I mean, it's extremely significant. And then in a professional athlete who's sprinting, training, you know, doing all these things to try and improve themselves, it's definitely going to, I mean, it's definitely going to be a significant thing for two in the next couple of years. So, unfortunately, on top of that, there have been a number of NFL players whose careers have taken a very strong downward trajectory as a result of recurrent hip injuries. So, for example, Dennis Pitta had seven strong seasons, or you know, as strong as things could be over in Baltimore. Won a Super Bowl with them, a couple of Pro Bowls, but it was actually 
a recurrent hip fracture and dislocation that he just couldn't quite shake. He couldn't quite rehabilitate. That ended up having to cause him to retire. On top of that, probably the most famous example being the greatest athlete of all time, Bo Jackson. The Bo Jackson, the size, the speed, the power. Who unfortunately saw his NFL career come to a close after a hip fracture and dislocation. Now, Bo Jackson does get back to professional baseball. He certainly has his highs, but overall is really just not the same dominant athlete as he was prior to this injury. Now, Bo Jackson's example is definitely an exception because he ends up developing something called necrosis or avascular necrosis, which essentially just means that during his hip fracture, um, some of the blood vessels in that region, in the hip, end up becoming damaged. And with that lack of blood flow, you know, there's a lack of nutrients to the hip and it eventually causes mass cell death of his hip bones. And he ends up having a complete hip replacement at age 29, which is extremely unnatural. You know, the entire situation is very rare and, you know, it's not something we can expect with Tua. Um, really whatsoever for that matter. I, I'm Actually, doctors have already confirmed that there is blood flow in his hip. So it's not something we need to worry about. And ideally, it's not something that will ever happen again. You know, with advances in modern medicine, and then on top of that, the downfall of a fabled athlete, you know, ideally this is something that doctors will monitor, you know, a lot more thoroughly going forward. But overall, really what I'm trying to get across is that Hip injuries have been extremely significant in a number of NFL players. So to get back to the nitty gritty of this podcast, you know, the scientific aspect of it, the hip joint is what's called a ball and socket joint. So it's somewhat self-explanatory, but just to help us visualize it, you can take your both your hands, make a fist with one hand, and then with your other hand, sort of an open palm, you can just wrap it around your fist. And that's sort of the same way that the femur, your thigh bone, sits within your hip joint. And then it's these ligaments that connect bone to bone that wrap around the joint at different angles to sort of secure it in place and then be able to facilitate the moving of your joint. And of course, if you're looking for a little bit more clear picture of what I'm talking about, you can always check out the I on IR Instagram page at I underscore on underscore IR for a little bit more information on everything here. But going back to Tua's injury, I mentioned this before, but you can see that he falls on his knees. And with a fracture to the posterior wall, what you can assume probably happened is that the head of his thigh bone, the femur, smacked into that hip cavity. And that's what causes the fracture. And then following this, probably bounces out and dislocates. But this is problematic because in order for a dislocation to happen, all of the ligaments in that joint are going to be very stretched out. And the tough thing about ligaments is that they're not going to just regrow on their own. They're not going to shrink back. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to be able to get back to the state of where they were before. And this is definitely the most significant thing about to his injury is that his hip joint quite literally will never be the same from this point forward. Now, of course, once you rehab, you know, muscles and things like that, you can definitely attain a, a similar level of functionality. But the physical aspect, you know, his, his anatomy is going to be permanently different. 
So what should we expect now? And it's a difficult question to answer. Right after he got hurt, the Alabama team doctor addressed the situation by saying that Tua will make a, a full recovery. He guarantees it. And I mean, on one hand, obviously, he's very accredited physician. This guy's a very distinguished individual. And I, of course, you would expect Alabama team doctors to be extremely prestigious and whatnot. But at the same time, he is literally paid by Alabama's football team. So of course, he's going to say that. You have to take this with a grain of salt. But in order to answer that question, you first have to think about how good really is Tua? Well, first off, we know he's an insanely accurate passer. And statistically, he's, ha he's having his best year yet at Alabama with 33 touchdowns and three interceptions in just nine games. Ridiculously impressive. But you look through Alabama's quarterbacks the past 10, 15 years, and there really has not been much of a transition to the NFL at all, which, considering how much of a dynasty Alabama has, is very surprising. But anyway, you look at their past 10 years quarterbacks, you've got Tua, Jalen Hurts, who of course going into the draft this year, also coming off an injury, big topic of conversation, probably will be a second rounder, Jake Coker, Blake Sims, AJ McCarron, and Greg McElroy. So... Needless to say, we are not exactly talking about prolific NFL quarterbacks here. And then when you look at Alabama the past 10 years, they have won 123 games and lost just 15. They have four national titles, five SEC championships. I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest dynasties in all of sports, and they will be remembered as such. Because we have a tendency to think that way around here. Instead of just kicking people's ass like you're supposed to and working to do it. All right. So when you ask me those kind of questions, it really pisses me off. First off, sounds like Nick Saban has a great backup plan as a comedian in case things go downhill at Bama. Got a great A funny guy over there. But anyway, we bring up the question, is Tua that good? Or is it just a combination of everything else at Alabama? You know, between this established system of success, Nick Saban... A completely stacked roster every year. I mean, he's throwing the ball to two future first-round wide receivers between Jerry Judy and Ruggs. They probably have five or six first-rounders on that team. I mean, they are so stacked. But statistically, compared to that list of quarterbacks, two is in a league of his own. And only A.J. McCarron even comes close to his 33 touchdowns and three interceptions. McCarron, who threw 30 touchdowns and three picks, over 14 games though, not nine. And on top of that, having a stacked team is nothing new to Alabama. I mean, when you look at players like Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, who have played for them in the past 10 years, and the success that they had at Alabama and in the NFL, I mean, Alabama has not seen a quarterback like Tua in the past 10 years, period. So anyway, where we are right now, Tua's surgery had an estimated three-month recovery. Since then, three months have passed. He's been medically cleared. He's been posting some videos of him working out. Um, he was planning on attending Alabama's Pro Day on April 9th. Since then, has obviously been canceled. But from what I understand, players are still working out for NFL teams and scouts virtually, you know, through FaceTime, WebEx, Zoom, whatever, you know, same thing we're doing as college students. And everyone around him who's interacted with Tua has had very good things to say about his progress. 
But, you know, it is the same situation we talked about with Alabama's team doctors where you, know, you have to take these things with a grain of salt because obviously people who are closest to Tua are probably going to say very good things about his progress and want the utmost success for him as an athlete and professional. Well, with that said, we are in a very crucial time period for Tua. And, you know, him coming off of this injury, wanting to prove himself to teams, prove himself to scouts, but at the same time, not overdo it, you know, not risk re-injury, not push himself too much, and not risk his very promising NFL career. So how successful is Tua going to be as a professional quarterback? Now, obviously, you know, it's not exactly a hot take, but it's going to depend on how much help he has around him. Um, as of now, with free agency finished up, pretty general consensus is that he'll go fifth overall as the second quarterback taken behind Joe Burrow, of course, um, to the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, obviously trades could still happen. There's some whisperings that Joe Burrow might try and force his way out, might try and, you know, force a trade to a better team. But do I see an Ohio native forcing his way out of a Cincinnati team? I would say probably not. You know, after listening to his Heisman speech and hearing how much gratitude he had for, you know, the suburbs of Ohio and whatnot, I, I just feel like it's very unlikely. So I think he'll go fifth overall to Miami. And I mean, you know, Fitzpatrick won some games. Josh Rosen, right off the bat, he's going to be a whole lot better than those two guys. And I see them being pretty successful. I think that division is wide open right now with Brady out. I think, you know, Buffalo will be a challenge for sure, but I could see them potentially winning the, the division. And I think two will be in the playoffs as a rookie. The reality of the situation, though, is that question marks will continue to lie over that Hawaiian right hip until he has a chance to truly prove people wrong in an NFL game. With that said, once again, my name is Liam Smith. I am not a doctor, and that's all I've got for you all today. Just a quick interjection before I sign off, though. It's pretty tough to talk about anything sports right now without mentioning the coronavirus. With that said, I'm a little bit discouraged to do a pandemic-specific episode just because you could turn on ESPN and see a lot of these same things. So I'm going to try my best to just to incorporate it into all of my existing episodes. And if I feel necessary in the future, maybe I'll look to put out sort of a timetable, a brief episode just of what to expect moving forward with the return of pro sports, hopefully very soon. So thank you all for tuning in today. Um, I'd encourage you all, please reach out to me on social media at I underscore on underscore IR on Instagram. Um, stay connected to the podcast and stay tuned for all of the injury updates right here on the I on IR podcast. Let's get medicated. Man, let's get medicated. Let's get medicated. Let's get medicated.